Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else listening, I hope you're enjoying the Christmas jingle we're playing this time. You're listening to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast with me, your host Donald Wanda, and my co-host James Daniel Walsh. How are you doing this merry time of the year, James? I'm doing well and happy holidays to everybody listening. Thank you. Happy holidays as well. Coming from both of us. Amazing. So you're listening to Woody Allen Adjacent, the podcast series, part of the Woody Allen podcast, where we talk about other movies that we relate to Woody Allen in some form of fashion. On the last episode, we spoke about a movie that James brought to the table called The DLs with Tobey Maguire, uh, Kerry Washington, uh, Laura Lenny, Ray Liotta, a whole bunch of other good actors. If you're subscribed, then you already know where the link is. But for, if you're a first-time listener, we would appreciate you checking out our previous recordings. We've been doing this for nearly two years now, adjacent in particular. But let's not forget, we've also discussed every single Woody Allen movie that he's ever created, live action. Um, yeah, and even animated. So on that note, James, today's movie... So I said this last time, this month, when you're seeing here in this podcast... It's earlier in the month than we usually drop it because we're going to do a two for... It's, a, it's Christmas. We're doing a two for two. We're giving you two Christmas presents. The first movie we're going to talk about was requested by the Woody Allen subreddit as an idea for adjacent. I had never heard this movie before. And on that note, James, why don't you tell everyone what we're going to be talking about and then we'll get into it. Well, and before we get into it, I do want to... Uh, send a shout out to uh, our good friend Carly who works on the Manic Expression channel with us Uh, Carly is undergoing chemotherapy right now and uh, she's got a GoFundMe campaign going to help her with the doctor's bills so we'll post a link below and uh, I hope everybody will uh, take some time out of their their busy Christmas season to uh, donate to a very good cause and a wonderful person James forgive me so much (laughs) Before we started recording, James told me, can I actually talk about this at the beginning? And I just I just completely went into broadcaster mode, started talking about the podcast. But James, let me reiterate what you just said. It's the season for giving. And Carly is, you know, someone that needs support. Last time we put the link for her GoFundMe in the, the description. Please, if you can give, you know, help someone out. And it would really mean a lot to us um, as part of the Manic Expression crew. I'll put the link to her GoFundMe down below. So I apologize. I don't know why I forgot that already. So let's support Carly and we'll bring this up again at the end of the podcast as well. So James, forgive me. Let's continue from here. What movie are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about the 1970 film Alex in Wonderland. Starring Donald Sutherland and directed by Paul Mazursky. Yeah, and um, also, is it Ellen Burst Burston that we spoke about? Ellen Burston. Yeah, we spoke about her in um, the other movie we reviewed a couple of months ago. Uh, What was it called again? With Alan Alder. Oh, uh, same time next year. Yes, same time next year. So it was great to see her. Um, I'm going to go in uh, first, if you don't mind. Please do. I was really curious to see this movie because I never heard of it before. Um, the the actual name title Alex in Wonderland had me very curious. Set in the seventies, he's a film director, 
I was like, wow, this movie can go so many ways. It could be a super hippie movie. We could see behind the scenes of a film. I, I actually thought this was going to be more of a surreal, dry comedy, maybe. And I would love to see Donald Sutherland in his younger years. But unfortunately for me, this was quite a painful experience. <laughs> so, James, um, I'm going to start by saying I did not enjoy this movie. But I can see why someone would say they think it would fit adjacent, and I'll get to that later. But let me pass the bat on to you, James. How did you feel about Alex in Wonderland? Uh, hippie suck ass would be how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> hippie uh, suck ass. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do see where this movie drew upon the same kind of inspirations that. Woody did, but I mean, coming out in 1970, it couldn't possibly be inspired by Woody. Because mm. 1970 was, if I'm not mistaken, the year Take the Money and Run came out? Uh, Yeah, or, or 69. I think that was 69. 69 or 70, and mm. so I, I, I doubt highly that this movie was at all influenced by Woody. Mm. I can see you know, the the inspirations that, especially you know, from Fellini, which is one of Woody's favorite directors. This movie sucked. This movie was a, a painful, slow, boring, pointless experience. Did you have any preconceived notions of what you thought this might be before you even watched it? Well, I knew that Donald Sutherland at that time was a hippie. Like, he was... If you cast Donald Sutherland or Peter Fonda or anybody like that in a movie in 1970, they were going to be a hippie. I was not prepared for the level of hippie nonsense that would go on in this. And I think you've got a clip coming up that will be the scene that I hated the most in the entire movie. <laughs> it was... It, it was like I didn't at all like the Donald Sutherland character. I felt really bad for the Ellen Burstyn character, who's his wife. Donald Sutherland is a prick in this movie. He's self-important, self-involved. 1970, it, it came out 10 years before I was born. And it made me so happy. Because I was born in January, so I just missed the 1970s by a few days. It made me so happy to have missed it because mm. it, it just such a such a fucking pointless <laughs> time. Well, James, would you mind telling us what the movie is about? Because last time we didn't even say what the plot of the movie was for thirty minutes. So paint, paint the picture. There's not a lot to tell. Donald Sutherland plays a a guy who just directed his first movie and is having a hard time coming up with what his second movie will be. Mm. And that is it. That is the entire plot of the movie. And it has a few surreal moments, but they're so few and spread out that they feel weird when they pop up. Yeah. Like if, if the movie was like, I just rewatched recently Love and Death. And that has a lot of surreal moments to it. And they come pretty regularly throughout the movie here when they pop up the first time it popped up like it they're they're uh, him and Ellen Burstyn are 
getting off of an airplane and everybody is on the tarmac dead or dying. And I was like, wait, what, what's happening? Mm. And I didn't know what was going on. It took me a minute to go, okay, wait, this is like a, okay, this is like a surreal moment. And then another one didn't pop up again for like half an hour. Yeah. And so when it popped up again, I forgot about, oh, oh yeah, they're doing these surreal moment things. Yeah, there's just not a lot to it. It's it's a it's Donald Sutherland trying to find something, a story that he wants to tell that that will inspire him. He's literally thrown opportunities at his feet that other people would kill for, and he just sort of goes, eh, "I don't really want to do that." Mm. I just found his character really obnoxious and annoying. Yeah. Um. And I'm just going to piggyback off you with what was going on in the movie. As you said, he's made this... Again, one of my biggest problems with the movie is you don't always have to show, you can tell, but it's it's not a great way to tell the story. This movie that he's made that apparently hasn't even been released widely yet, like some insiders have seen the movie and they all say it's phenomenal. But whenever he meets someone in the public and he says, I directed this film... And he goes, oh, but it's not out yet. So he's kind of, in a way, he's an up-and-coming director that nobody's really heard of, looking for an idea for a second film. But everyone that's seen the film in the industry thinks it's a masterpiece. So to me, it's kind of conceited. I'm like, you know, nobody really knows he's that great. I don't know what the movie is. They don't even show clips of the movie he's made. Am I wrong? They never no, show they anything. Never, they never mention the title. They never tell you what it's about. Nothing. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, okay, I'm just taking it on, you know, your word that is great on the insider's word. And then, you know, you meet all these executive people, some rich people and some of his friends, you know, and like you said, he's getting phone opportunities. And I'm watching the movie thinking, you know, this is the 70s. If it was, if it was a movie critiquing, you know, executives in the 90s or 2000s, we've seen that a lot. So I thought, oh, this would be an interesting opportunity to see what the executives were like in the late 60s, 70s. But it doesn't really do that well either. I was kind of left confused because, it, like you said, it, it merges the surreal with the boring. <laughs> so I'm just kind of, when he's, like, there's one director he's with for quite a while, he's telling him what he thinks will be a good idea, telling him he'll give him all this money. And I'm just thinking... This this guy doesn't seem like an industry guy. Is this a critique on the industry? Is this what the industry was like at the time? Donald Sutherland doesn't seem to care or doesn't agree with him, and it's just dry. I, I, I it was it was frustrating yeah. because I couldn't really grasp on what I was meant to take from the movie. I've read reviews where I've heard people say what they think it was meant to be, which I'll get to in a moment. But my takeaway from the movie was I don't really get it. I would have really loved this movie if it was a crazy high, tripped out, leaving Las Vegas, um, sorry, fear and love in Las Vegas kind of weird trip out. If this was a fever tree movie with Donald yeah. Sutherland and with sprinkles of reality, even more so than they've tried to do with the very few hypnotic whatever scenes going on, I would have enjoyed it more. But it's not even funny. <laughs> it's not funny at all. At all. <laughs> It's 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 labeled as a, a a dramatic comedy. I never laughed once. I was just perplexed. 
And because we're in 2022 and everyone gets triggered by everything, there was a tons of things in here that was, you know, that will set people off today, um, yeah. which is part of the clip that I'll play as well. But I, I was honestly disappointed. I kind of understand the recommendation, but this movie, man, oh. Well, you know, speaking of it being conceited, from what I when I looked into it, the director had made a movie the previous year called Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, yeah. which I've heard about my whole life. And it's supposed to be one of the, like the great movies of the 1960s that I've just never really seen, but it came out and got, you know, all this praise. And then he was having a hard time figuring out what to do for a second movie. So he made a movie about a director who was having a hard time figuring out what to do about a second movie. Wow. You know, as everybody is telling Donald Sutherland, Oh, your movie's a masterpiece. Your movie is this. Your movie is that. He's really talking about the director's talking about his movie, and knowing that, it made me go, "Okay, stop sucking your own dick." <laughs> Seriously, it's and and it made me and like I said, I've always been curious about Bob and Carol and Ted Dallas, and now I'm not. I went from going, "Oh, I should see that to someday," to going, "I don't really ever need to watch that." Yeah, oh man, it's uh you know, I kept on thinking to myself, as you said, obviously this was made at the time Woody Allen was starting his career as well. If Woody Allen made this movie, what would it be like? And in a way, he played with this idea in um the movie that I don't even like that much. So Stardust Stardust memories. memories, there you go. <laughs> Jinx. Stardust memories. But you know, he had a lot of you know, again, it was kind of based on his life as a director and some people took it the wrong way. And, you know, even I had a problem with that movie. And at least Woody had a reason to make that movie, in my mind. He had the he had the life experience. But if you're now saying this movie is kind of based on a biography or whatever of the actual director or based off one film, it is very self-serving. And it's not even entertaining. That's the problem with this movie. It's not entertaining. Not at all. It also, too, is it's this awkward moment going from the, the 1960s into the 1970s where the hippies start to sell out. And I think that that's supposed to be part of the theme is Donald Sutherland trying not to sell out, trying not to just make some bland movie because he knows it's going to be a hit. And he needs to, he talks about like, you know, I, you fall into this trap of like buying a big house and then you got to make a, a movie uh, that'll be a hit so that you can pay your mortgage. And hmm. um, so it's, it's like this guy who maybe five years earlier was just peace and love and smoking weed and uh, you know, whatever. And now it's uh, he's got kids and he's got a house and he's got a wife and he's got to figure out how to take care of all of those things. So suddenly that idealism is, uh, it's, it, you know, it, it's, he has to compromise a little bit. He has to figure out, okay, how can I just um, make my life uh, the way that I want it? And I think if I'd seen it when it came out, I might have been more forgiving but knowing where the hippies would go in the 1970s and then into the 1980s when they became yuppies, 
uh, I was like, whatever, this guy's just going to completely sell out at some, this guy's going to be making like a, a, if he was still a director today, he'd be making superhero movies. So he'd have, a, he'd be directing a show on Disney plus or something. Cause he would just completely sell out. All the idealism would just go down the toilet. And so I just didn't, I didn't care about him. I didn't care about his struggle. I didn't care about his pretentious view of himself. The only thing that I found kind of interesting was the relationship that he has with his older daughter. Yeah. Where the two of them will have like actual conversations where he really wants to know, what do you think about this? And not just like, what do you think about it? But really like, dig deep and why, you know, why do you think what you think about it? That was interesting. And maybe if the movie had been more about the two of them, it, I would have liked it better. But as it was, it felt like when he wasn't having those conversations with his daughter, he just looked at his family like they were a burden. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was a scene in the movie where he met an actress that he really wanted to cast in the sequel movie did they end up going off on some kind of tryst, or was that some kind of fever dream that I had? I, I mean, it was both. I think. I think that they might have had an affair, but it was also done in a way that was one of the surreal moments in the movie, where they, yeah. you know, walk arm in arm, and she's singing a song to him, and suddenly there's a horse-drawn carriage in L.A., which would not have been there, and um, yeah, it's. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't tell if they actually had an affair or not, which is one of the things that the surreal moments kind of get in the way of is the clarity of the story. And you can do surreal moments and have them enhance the story. To me, this, these detracted. Yeah. I didn't know what these moments were trying to tell me. Mm. Um, And even in a way where like, well, you're supposed to bring your own interpretation. I didn't have an interpretation of it because it was like, well, like, the, the, there's a huge scene in it where it's him directing this, like, riot in the streets of L.A. that's also a dance number, and it's also got him in the scene over the bodies of his wife and children. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. What, like, what, what, is, what is happening in the reality of the story at this moment? And I had no idea. I had no idea what I was, what the director was trying to say. That's a shame. That really is a shame because, again, I think you know this was made in Woody's Woody's funny days. Even if this wasn't something Woody had experience in, as a you know his first film was great, and then he wanted to make a second film like this. I think this could have made a good comedy if Woody had his hands in it. It could have made a fun comedy with drugs or with sex more than any other movie that we've watched. When I was watching it, I could see what Woody would do with it, and it was infinitely better. Yeah. Even if it was a drama, even if he did it as a comedy or a drama, I think, you know, <laughs> Woody would have immensely enhanced this movie in every way. Yeah. And, and it would have, you know, you have him starring in the movie, too. Uh, you have his... Because at, at that point, he would have been working with uh, his first wife, whose name escapes me. It was the lady from Take the Money and Run, you mentioned. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, she probably would have been in it. It would have been funnier. It could have still been Alan Burstyn with him. That would have still worked. But it would have been funny. It would have been something 
akin to bananas. Yeah. What this was itself was just pretentious and boring. That's the, the biggest sin. It was boring. I agree. Like I said, if you watch a movie that's dated 20, 30 years, you're going to find a lot of things that are not politically correct and things you don't agree with. But the message of the movie is a mess. The surreal moments are sporadic and don't connect. You don't... Yeah, I agree with you. Donald Sutherland is, is a bit of an asshole. And again, me not connecting with him as a creative, not seeing... Obviously, they can't play his movie in the movie. There's not enough time, but I don't even know what the plot was. They keep it ambiguous for what reason. And the way the movie ends is fucking random. It just ends. It just, <laughs> it just stops. It doesn't even end. It just stops. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, listening, if you're never, you know, I, you know, I think it's obvious that me and James do not appreciate this movie at all really which is a shame because again the title is Alex in Wonderland I wanted a fever dream movie that's what I wanted I wanted to see Donald Sutherland you know in the in, in Hollywood and it'd be sexy like um kind of like uh Woody Allen's first movie that he wasn't directing what was that movie called again the James Bond one oh. Uh, what's new pussycat exactly like something like that you know but oh, no, what's up tiger lily what well, i mean that was the one he dubbed over but i was i was yeah. actually talking about what's up pussycat actually okay yeah and this just turned out to be an absolute disappointment so what i'm gonna do ladies and gentlemen for those of you who are probably never gonna watch the movie and oh even bef before i play the clip i've got a superficial thing to say the the version of the movie that i got it's on Amazon. You can stream on Amazon. The audio is terrible. Now, what I mean by that is there's there's the audio is too high, too low. It's it's not a consistent audio level. And it is very jarring. Sometimes you'll be listening, it's fine, they're close. Sometimes it's really low. And it just it throws you off. Horrible microphone work in this movie. And you know. There's a lot of movies made in the 70s, 60s, even the 50s that didn't have that issue. So I'm not really going to give the time it was made a pass because there was a lot of competent filmmakers in this time that got the microphone work right. So even if you go and get the Blu-ray version of this movie or stream it on Amazon, just be aware that the audio is completely inconsistent, which really took me out of the movie. Probably it was, it was boring. I couldn't hear shit. It was mad. And... Yeah, I don't know if you got got that, James, or you felt that at all. There were moments where I was like, "What? What are they saying?" And then I realized I don't care. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I just have to I just have to mention it because there's some people that do like this movie. I went IMDb, and then a lot of people were saying, "You know what? Actually, funny enough, when you go on Wikipedia, apparently Roger Ebert. What do you say here? I've got it here. Roger Ebert gave the film four stars, saying." The human story does work remarkably well. And <laughs> and if the movie doesn't hold together, we're not disposed to hold that against it. What? Yeah. I did I saw that review too and I have no idea what he's trying to say. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> So listen, there might be some, or maybe this is a, a directors film, you know, film for the directors that can relate that, you know, grew up in that time. And this is the perfectly reasonable movie that we just don't understand. Ta -ta 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 -ta. We just yeah. not want that ilk. You know, that's fine. But what I want to do for the audience now, I'm going to play a three minute clip. 
about one of the parts of the movie where Alex has spoken to some executives. He didn't really want to do it. But so he has a heart to heart with his friends on the beach. There's one black guy, about 10 white people with him. They have this discussion about Alex's idea for his second movie. Now, before I play the clip, James, I will also say I don't even know if this was his actual idea or if he, if he was just spitballing. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell because it, it seems like one that he, he doesn't go with. So I have no idea if he was just spitballing or not. Yeah, I think he was just trying to placate to make himself sound good. But why don't I play the clip, uh, listeners, and you, you make up your mind. You'll see what I'm saying. So again, this, is a, this, this clip is longer than I would like, but I think I want to give the movie its, you know, let the movie speak for itself. <laughs> so have a listen. Anybody want to hear my idea for a new film? What? Want to hear my new movie? Only oh, yeah. if it's good. It's oh, terrific. It'll be good. How do you know? Are you a prophet? Yeah. Want to hear my new oh, movie? It's a film about a black revolutionary leader. Black is beautiful. Uh, how would you know? Yeah, that's a black, a black revolutionary leader, uh, a cat named, uh, like Timmy Thompson, say. A cat from L.A., a cat with charisma, a cat with power, by a combination of Eldridge Cleaver and Patrice Lumumba and Malcolm X and an extraordinary man. An incredible uh, I'm man. not so sure about that. What does this mean? Oh, come on, wait a minute. No, wait, wait. Let me get the story out before the fight begins, okay? You remember how we had that conversation about what would happen if the blacks took over L.A.? Yeah. I mean, if they did not riot in Watts or in the ghetto, but if they rioted in Beverly Hills? Yes, Sure, okay. Well, my man, Jimmy Thompson, he mobilizes the black community and he attacks L.A. He attacks white L.A. He takes yeah, off, but does he succeed? Oh, yeah, man, he succeeds. They'll always Have, fail. Oh, no chance, no. Leo, let him finish. No, they can succeed, absolutely. They can succeed. And he does. He I takes over Beverly Hill. I'd like to see you, where you'll be if you get a little bit of black comedy. Damn, you, oh, come, come on, cool it, cool it. You guys going to go out forever? Oh, they get killed. They get wiped out. No. The birches are just waiting for them. The birches are waiting for them. The police system is waiting for them. The military is waiting for them. It doesn't make any difference. You know, you're a fascist. I'm a Jew. You're a Jewish fascist. And you're a phony liberal. It's terrific, eh? It really blows your mind, right? All right, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop yelling in my ear. All right, cool it. What's the point of the movie? The point of the movie. I don't like it. Thanks a lot, Andre. Fall off the wall. <laughs> the point of the movie is that Whitey will not give any power or any freedom to the black man if the conversation is polite. And after resistance, revolution is inevitable. If the resistance does not work, and we know that resistance ain't doing much here in this country right now. Be right, right on, baby. Right Absolutely. on. Absolutely. <laughs> it's science fiction. No, man. Believe me, it can work. You get... You get the whole youth movement. You get the SDS in it. You get the you get the you get the, the Chicano brothers. You get the Indian brothers. You get the gay brothers. Alex, you get them all involved. I am telling you, it's a powerful idea. Oh, no, no, I don't think the blacks could ever get into anything like that. What do you that. think, Lewis? I don't know, man. Don't ask. I really He's don't white. know. Oh, come on, Leo. What are, you know? I think you are a bigot. You know, I think you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I think you're an asshole, man. No, no, come on. Blacks don't have staying power. You're an asshole. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's just the way they're built. All right, all right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Come on, man. All right. I just cut that off there because that was enough. Yeah. I mean, Donald Sutherland was really trying to play into black power and I'm for the black people. And I'm like, I just... I didn't believe it. And, you know, throughout the rest of the movie, he never brought that shit up again. It just sounded like it wasn't just pretentious. It was virtual signaling to me, you know? Yeah, it was, you know, we live in a, a time now where uh, a lot of people say, well, you can't have a, a white director tell black stories, which 
there have been lots of great movies about the black experience that have been made by white directors, like uh, movies like Glory or Cry Freedom, uh, that are, you know, uh, wonderful movies about the black experience. Donald Sutherland's movie is a fucking joke. It feels like it's a joke, and it feels like, no, this is not a story you get to tell. Which, normally I wouldn't say that, but I really am like, no, 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 no. Not, not this one. You don't get to tell this one. This feels like, first of all, you're ta- he's talking about Whitey. It's like, dude, look in a mirror. <laughs> and he's talking about, you know, well, they're going to take over and there's going to be revolution and blah, blah, blah. It's like, where do you fit into this? Do you think that, that like, you know, in, the, in all of this, you, you get to be the biographer of this revolution? It's just so fucking stupid and condescending. And, and he's so full of himself to think that <laughs> this is in any way a story he gets to tell. And, and to, to, you're right, it's like virtue signaling uh, 50 years before virtue signaling really became a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to say, you know, well, uh, Whitey's not going to give power to the black man. It's like, what the fuck are you <laughs> babbling about? And and then you've got the the friend who's dismissing it, and they're just arguing. And I hate scenes like that where it's people, it's supposed to, you could do like the naturalistic dialogue where people talk over each other and they're in a conversation and it's fine. Um, I mean, to a great example of that from a Woody Allen movie would be uh, the Seder dinner from Crimes and Misdemeanors, mm. where you know the the Jewish family is all talk. They're talking about murder and Shakespeare and all this stuff. This was just noise. I was with the guy who was like, "Can you please not yell in my ear?" Because you've got people who are people who have no point to make, and that's the thing that I don't like about. Um, I really never liked about that that particular moment in history, the youth movement in the 60s and 70s, because they had no fucking point to make. They would make they would spout off these platitudes about peace and love, and they had no clue what they were fucking talking about. And 30 years later, they'd be sending kids to Iraq. So yeah. It's it's a thing that I just that scene in particular. I was like, oh my god, how long does this? Even when you were playing the clip, I was just zoning out, <laughs> just trying to get through it. Yeah. Ah, uh, the director himself again. If this is meant to be a biography kind of thing, where the directors kind of point to some aspect of his life, you know, the director passed away in 2014. I was looking at his. I'm talking about the director, um, Paul Mazursky. I was looking at his filmography to see if he ever wrote anything. And again, I know this might come off like a character assassination. That's not it. I'm just curious, you know, because, you know, you're going to walk the talk, walk the walk, right? And there's nothing in his filmography about any screenplay for that kind of thing. So I agree with you. A lot of times, you know, groups, a lot of white people and groups and hippies talked about all that stuff. For some mean well, and it's... It's good to mean well and all that, but it doesn't amount to nothing. In this movie, it didn't amount to anything. It was just um it was just big talk or just try to make himself himself sound sophisticated and um 
empathetic towards uh, other cultures and whatnot. And it just, it honestly, it just made him seem insincere. So, you know, yeah, I didn't like Alex in Wonderland. You know, it's a shame. I think the movie as an idea had legs in a way, but from the beginning to the end, it was a complete fail. Execution was terrible. To be honest with you, Donald Sutherland's performance, I don't want to really criticise it because I think he did well with what he was given. If he was given something good and constructive, I think he could have pulled it off. And, you know, we just spoke about him a couple of movies ago with, you know, with the Will Smith Six Degree Separation, which was really? hilarious because in there he's playing, you know, an upper-class person trying to give shine to a black person. That, that was funny. That was a funny discussion. That yeah. was a better movie, you know. And similar things they were trying to say, at least there, even then it was played tongue-in-cheek. So anyway, suffice to say, I wouldn't recommend this movie at all I can kind of see why it was recommended, but this is one of them times where I just didn't get it, didn't see it. The people who like it, including Roger Ebert, I don't, I don't know what the fuck they're on, but yeah. And it, the most disappointing thing about this movie is that it should have been a fever dream movie. It really should have been a drug adult trip into Hollywood. It isn't even that. It's not funny. It's not sexy. It's a war fucking ring. I, I do like movies from that time. It's not that I, you know, I just hate like that time in general. One of my favorite movies is The, is the Graduate, which came out a few years before that. Ooh, amazing. And, uh, and this is just, I, the only word that comes to mind is pointless. It just, it feels like a director who couldn't figure out what his second movie would be. So he made a movie about not knowing what a second movie would be. And it's just jerking off at that point. And it, I, I didn't care. I didn't care at all about Donald Sutherland's journey in the movie. It just didn't, none of it mattered to me. The funny thing, and the little epiphany I've just had here, is that he's, he's trying to figure out what the second movie is about, when the director doesn't even know what this movie's about. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. Well, he didn't, <laughs> like you said, he didn't even know how to, like, in the movie. It's like Donald Sutherland goes into this house that I guess he's bought. Oh, boy. And it's just him running around the house. I don't know if he's supposed to be high or not, because he's acting like he's high. He was playing the scene of himself, right? Just running back and forth, shining and that. This is how movies used to be made. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And then it just, he goes out and he looks at a tree and the movie stops. <laughs> uh, James... Cinema. 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 Well, cinema and, uh, you know, this, this very serious, very, who, this director who would never compromise. One of his last credits I'm looking at right now is he was in Kung Fu Panda 2. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is an awesome Wells did Transformers before he died. So, you know. <laughs> The difference being, at least from what I've seen, Orson Welles was a good director. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, that's it. We, you know, this is, and I got to be honest with you, this is this is where my whole idea for doing two movies came from because I didn't want to just do this movie, <laughs> yeah. and I wanted to fulfill this request. So, this might be honestly, I think this might be the worst movie that we've seen so far in this. Um, 
adjacent uh, project that we're doing. You know, I, I, I still think I'd put I Love You, Daddy at the bottom, but just, uh, just barely. You know what? It was, with I Love You, Daddy, it was really amusing to see him think that he was even a tenth of Woody Allen and fail so miserably, you know? Uh-huh. Here, and I actually, I knew, you know what? With that movie, I knew what he was trying to do. This movie... I didn't know what was going on or what the aim was or what the end goal was. So yeah, I'm like you, but I, I actually give, I love you daddy a lot more credit because I know what you were trying to do, but this one, I'm just completely perplexed. It, it's, I can't even say that the movie was, it's not on a level where like there are movies that I hate. There's not a lot of them, but there's movies that I hate and I didn't hate this. But I will not remember that I saw it in a year. Like you'll, you know, if we if we bring it up on a podcast a year from now, I'll be like, "Did we watch that?" Hmm. And I'll go, "Oh yeah, okay, it was that hippie movie." And I'll barely remember. I I only watched it last week. I barely remember what happens in it because nothing happens in it. So yeah, it's just I it, it'd be the first movie I think that we because even I love you, Daddy. You're right. I love you, Daddy. Has interesting things in it yeah they're, they're not good things they're bad things that are interesting but they're interesting this just wasn't interesting this was this would be the first movie i'd say don't bother yeah agreed james let's wrap this up because we got another movie that we're going to be talking about and we want to release later on in this month for december so yeah i i you can stream this movie on amazon but don't <laughs> Don't do it. Don't waste your money. There are hundreds of movies out there. And you know what's funny? I bet. You know, one thing I would love is I would just love to hear Donald Sutherland talk about this movie. Now, I have a feeling he's a classy man and he probably wouldn't disrespect or talk down about this movie. Maybe he would. But I think I would just like to hear him for two minutes explain what he thinks about this movie, you know. But anyway, we're going to move on. So, uh, yeah, it is the... Oh, sorry, James. Anything else before I start wrapping up this episode? Nope. i got nothing left to say about this piece of shit. Yeah, so... <laughs> if you watch Alex in Wonderland and, you know, have a different perspective than us or you can see something we didn't or something, why don't you leave a comment in the comment section down below, wherever you're listening to, on whatever podcast platform or our YouTube clip. Leave your comment there and we would really appreciate it. It is the month of giving. We're going to give. And James, as you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, how can we support Carly? What should we do? And, you know, let's just, let's just give a shout out once more to her. Yep. Go fund me before we wrap up. Yeah, we'll, we'll post a link uh, below for everybody. And uh, anything that you can give would be uh, very much appreciated by her and her family. It will. Don't forget, the link will be in the show notes of this podcast episode. But that is it. This was a, uh, might have been like a wet fart, like a, just what happened there, guys. <laughs> but yeah. I think our next discussion will be maybe a little bit more positive. You never know. You do. You guys know what's coming. We're finally going to talk about when Harry met Sally. And yeah, that should be an interesting conversation. So stay tuned. That is coming up very soon. James? If the people want to reach out to you, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, they can find our uh, Manic Expression channel on YouTube and my new novel, Don Giovanni, 
is available now on Amazon. We've got a link tree link with everything in it down below as well. Hit that link. Check out the next episode for When Harry Meets Sally, and we'll see you there.